0: Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants of Christ Jesus, and today on the podcast we have Father Paul Koska and Father James Claver. Would one of you like to explain to our listeners what we're talking about today?
1: Yeah, we're talking about the sisters that the servants have had the grace and blessing to work alongside and be formed by, and just kind of the unique blessing that we've had to interact with so many different sisters in the past 15 years or so.
0: All right. So working with religious sisters, the first question is why are we having a podcast that is about like its own podcast about working with sisters in your community, working alongside sisters?
1: So one of the things that everybody knows about the servants is we're all men. And so there's uh, something profoundly uh, complimenting and formative for uh, male religious to be formed by by uh, sisters, by women religious. And even from the community's very beginning, uh, the TOR Franciscan sisters at uh, Steubenville were, influential for us at the beginning of our community they themselves had been a new community that was founded in like 1988 and so they were able to give advice and counsel about how to live religious life and one of the sisters uh sister mary rose is actually the one that made the first habit for the the servants and so there is this like interesting initial beginning connection of the servants with the two our franciscan sisters that uh, many people don't know about, but was kind of a prelude to then a lot of formation experiences we have had along the way where sisters have been influential in ways that sometimes we expected. Like when we went to India, we knew that the missionaries of charity sisters were there. Uh, when we went to Kenya to work in the hospital, which I'll talk about later. We didn't even know that there were sisters there till after, like once we arrived um, and So sometimes sisters were an expected blessing and sometimes they're an unexpected blessing.
2: I think too that um especially like that reality that I don't think people realize about us like we are new and very much figuring out what it what religious life is and how it is that we can best serve the Lord and imitate the Lord as as we uh seek to love him with with Everything we have. And so I think for us through the years, whether it's working alongside the Nashville Dominicans or whether it's working out of the hospital alongside the Carmelite Sisters, there's kind of like this all of these orders have been doing it for quite some time. And I feel like, especially when we join alongside in their apostolates, I'm learning from them um, how to be consecrated to the Lord. And almost the spirituality and the mindset of what I need to do to enter into this ministry. So I would say in particular, like when we worked at a hospital in Los Angeles, I had never really worked with the sick or dying. And the Carmelite Sisters have had that facility open for, I don't know, at least 50 years would be my guess. And so they have this whole mindset and a whole spirituality and what it's like to work at a hospital. And so I'm joining them and their apostolate so that I can learn and so that I can appreciate the gifts that they have. And I feel like that's part of the benefit of working alongside sisters is where I am as a new religious, and here we are as a new religious community, and they have so much to show us and to teach us. And so working with them and their different apostolates has been a great benefit for us to be able to imitate them and to learn from them and kind of absorb from them what it is that uh, that is good and holy and virtuous.
0: So what order of sisters has your community worked alongside and in what capacity?
2: So we probably have worked the most with the Nashville Dominicans, or I think their official title is the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. Uh, they worked over at Bishop Nashville High School, and we taught alongside them. And they For a couple of years, they had uh, one of the assistant principals was a Nashville Dominican, and so uh, she was kind of a supervisor for us. And a very formative time in terms of helping us teach. We have also worked alongside the Carmelite Sisters that have a uh, nursing care facility and a uh, nursing home out in Los Angeles. Uh, Father Paul works alongside Father John in 2007, I believe. And I also uh, worked there for a month in 2013. We worked with the Missionaries of Charity Sisters um, in India. We went in 2012. And then we've also worked with them with different mission trips. I think Father Paul was out in the Philippines with them and worked alongside them. I was down in Honduras working with them, um, as well as a handful of times here in Denver. And uh, Father Paul also worked at a hospital in Kenya alongside Brother Thomas and Brother Peter. They were the Sisters of St. Joseph, I think. Yes. Sisters of St. Joseph. So those are the as well as we worked a little bit with the Sisters of Life um helping us with campus ministry at the University of Denver. Have you guys done
0: a lot of work alongside male religious communities and and if so, what's the difference like what's different about working alongside sisters as opposed to working alongside other male religious?
1: So we definitely have—so, uh, you know, when I was a student at Franciscan, the T R Franciscans were there, the seminary where we all attend, the Oblates of the Virgin Mary are present. And when I was a seminarian, my one of my seminary apostolate assignments that I had was to work at Holy Ghost Parish and downtown that's uh, run by the, by the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And so I guess the difference is— there's a certain like maternal solicitude that uh, sisters have for m- male religious and and, and for priests as well. I mean, Father James, I'm sure, can share some funny stories about the solicitude of the Missionaries of Charity for, for priests. And, and in a number of times when they were formative for me, it was at the beginning of something. So, like, for example, when I first started teaching... Uh, Sister Mary Sarah was a mentor to me as an administrator, but also as a religious. And uh, and so I guess in my own experience, a lot of the times where female uh, religious where sisters were present, it was kind of these particular times where I was doing something for the first time or, you know, when we were in India, I hadn't done that sort of mission work before. And so they were Forming me in something that I wasn't necessarily familiar with.
2: I have no idea if this is going to be worth saying or <laughs> or not. But part of it is, I think, just the natural. There are way more sisters that have a variety of different apostolates than there are uh, men religious communities that have, they just have less religious, I think, and less apostolates. And so, uh, yeah, I think sometimes it's just been almost providence that uh, yeah, the natural kind of complementarity of, uh, especially religious that, uh, the religious sisters that have such an appreciation and love for priests and seminarians. And so, as we all have a journey towards uh, seminary and priesthood, that's been, I think, a gift that many, many religious have. I know, for example, like the Missionaries at Charity, when we worked alongside them, Brother Thomas and I, in Honduras, they would serve us lunch, and they would pull out, like, the silverware that had, like, written on it, only for the priest. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was set aside, like, for the priest if he gets the very best. Um, yeah. And for whatever reason, just because I was a priest, <laughs> like, they treated me in, in a different light, which was just uh, it's very humbling. But at the same time, a great gift to just be able to receive their love for Jesus uh, through me as a priest.
0: Now... Father James, you mentioned earlier about how you as a community have been learning how, so much from sisters because they've been doing this for so long. What have you found, what have each of you found that, that sisters really model extraordinarily well for you as religious? Like what are religious sisters really, really good at? And how does that inform your vocation as a religious?
1: So I would say one one thing that the Nashville Dominicans obviously come from Nashville. And part of what they did in Nashville was they ran a finishing school, which I think in Southern parlance is like basically it formed women how, how to carry themselves. And so the Nashville Dominicans have a particular attentiveness to just being intentional about how they go about everything that they do, how they carry themselves in public, how they present themselves in class. And so there's a real attentiveness to that. And so one of the things that I think I picked up on over time from being in the presence of the Nashville Dominicans was just an attentiveness to that and an awareness of that, that just being in an undergraduate setting didn't necessarily like have that same awareness of. And so, that's one thing that I think I've learned from the sisters is just how to carry oneself as a religious and and just being intentional about uh, what you say, how you say things, and being always being uh, a person that builds people up.
2: I would say that something that I have appreciated from religious sisters is that um, women... At least my experience. I could totally be wrong. I don't really understand women completely at all, by any means. But I, but I think like there's something to this that women relate everything to everything else, and as a result, there is this cohesiveness to their life. And I see this in religious of they try to live their spirituality and their daily lives in this related way of their prayer is related to their work, which is related to their community life, and there's this unity that's there versus, if I can say, I think, guys, we compartmentalize everything. Certainly, we try and seek to be prayerful, I would say, and certainly we have our times of prayer, but it's really easy for me to just compartmentalize of, like, done my holy hour, check, now I'm going to go teach, or now I'm going to go serve um, at this hospital, and it's totally separate. And I just watch the way that uh, sisters interact with each other, the ways that they pray, the ways that they do their ministry. And it's all one thing, I think, at its best. And I look at that, and I'm like, I need to grow in this, because, yeah, it's just easy for us as men, I think, sometimes to just be so task-oriented of, like, let's just get the next thing, and let's get the next thing done. And they're not. I mean, and I think that, you know, you see that in particular of working at a hospital of it is your ministry of presence, of being. And that's what I think Carmelite sisters were so good at at doing, of like slowing down to interact with um, some of the elderly there and having the same conversations again and again and again and not growing impatient in that. I'm like, I need to learn this. So I'd say that those are some of the things I've really benefited from.
0: Father Paul, you mentioned the sisters in Kenya. Were they a nursing order like what was their role at the hospital and 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 i guess how did having sisters serve as nurses how was that so much different than just lay people serving in like a medical capacity
1: so yes the the sisters at the hospital in kenya the hospital was run by the diocese the local diocese there and the head of the hospital, like the CEO, if you will, was uh, an Italian priest. And then the kind of day-to-day COO type person was a sister. And then sisters worked in various departments of the hospital, um, in addition to another like 150 200 lay staff. Yeah, and so there there was um, their presence. You know, some some things that they did were just they had to do the same things as any lay person would do. But I think the distinctive sort of presence that they brought was just seeing them around and um, going to the wards and being able to interact with patients and um, the prayerfulness that they, they brought into the different situations that they faced and their own kind of community life to be able to support one another. And so they... You know, religious tend to have regular meals together, and so that regular communal time, I think, helps the sisters in the work that they do as well in the sense that the difficulties that one faces in running a hospital where you're dealing with sickness and death and tragic situations. Sometimes they had had a (coughs) neonatal ward um, at the hospital where a number of uh, premature babies passed away while we were there and so just all of that stuff that is challenging about working in a hospital the sisters inherent community life helped both for them to be able to bring those difficulties to prayer but also to share the joys and sorrows and the regularity of their eating together as a community and then we were able to share in that and so they intentionally invited us into their meal times and to be able to share in the joys and the celebrations and like and so there was birthdays that happened while we were there and so we got to experience like the sisters dancing around the table in African you know style celebrating a birthday so just yeah ways that could we have gone through that experience you know without them yeah it's it would have been possible to walk, to serve in a hospital. But there was something profoundly formative about being able to be around them day in and day out, for them to be able to give feedback to us, to point out ways that we could grow and challenge us, and so, so it was an amazing experience. And and I, but I think it ultimately comes down to they have a rootedness in the Lord and a rootedness in their own community, which creates an environment of uh, of trust and uh, safety and well-being.
0: Now, your guys as apostles are basically preaching, teaching, spiritual direction, providing the spiritual exercises. Preaching you pretty much do on your own as a community. Providing spiritual exercises and spiritual direction you obviously do individually on your own or you know within your community life. But teaching is a shared apostolate that you guys share in different senses with with other religious. So at MatchBuff, you teach alongside the Nashville Dominicans. At DU, you guys provide campus ministry for the students at DU, but the Sisters of Life help facilitate some campus ministry. How have you noticed that your students are better off because of your presence and because of the presence of sisters alongside you guys?
2: I would say that I think I noticed, especially working at the high school these past couple of years as a priest, of there's an access that I have to all the students, which is true in a, in a particular way that I get to be a father to them, especially in the sacraments with confession. But I found more and more that it was amazing to watch some of the sisters and the their access that they had to different students than I did, that they were able to reach because that there was something about they have this maternal heart and this sensitivity and this generosity and this perceptiveness that they could reach students that I could not reach of the natural complementarity of, of the sexes of, of their gifts that complemented mine and my gifts that complemented their them. And uh, almost the way that uh, like I felt like with a couple of the sisters that I was able to like we were a team of because she's not just a lay woman. But she is uh, a spiritual sister alongside me, and that she's living her spiritual motherhood as she teaches. And I'm living my spiritual fatherhood as a priest and being a sacramental presence and, and reaching out to students. That there was this way that, like, I felt like in many senses, we could, we could be kind of spiritual father and mother to so many students that I just couldn't do by myself.
1: Yeah. And I would say too, there's something about a community that invest in a a ministry or an apostolate or a school or institution that creates a certain continuity, you know? So like by somebody from the servants being at Matchbuff or a servant being at the University of Denver or the Nashville Dominicans being at Matchbuff, the Sisters of Life being involved in campus ministry throughout the archdiocese. There's this sense that like students can connect with the charism and apostolate of the sisters of the Nashville Dominicans or of the sisters of life. And so sisters might come and go or particular servants might be assigned for a time, but there's a certain continuity. um, And so I think that's part of just the overarching blessing of having the sisters present in our apostolates that we've been involved in uh with them is just the fact that there is this continuity of presence of like we know okay when we send brother thomas now over to Matchbuff, we know that there's nashville dominicans and i might not know each nashville dominican well but i do like trust the nashville dominicans and know that they're going to be a blessing for brother thomas and and hopefully we as a community will be a blessing to them
2: and i think that's you know very different than just lay people working at a high school of lay people are going to come and go and you're going to have a variety of different backgrounds and different gifts and talents and so forth and personalities but there's something about the presence of a religious of there is that sense of continuity um i remember speaking to uh some alumni from Mullen High School that had graduated, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago. What they will remember, what they'll talk about, certainly they could have, like, some sense of shared memories over certain teachers that might have overlapped with them. But what they talked about more than anything was we all had the Christian brothers that were there. And I remember that brother that worked there for 30 years and his presence and his his impact. And I think there's... Something to that, that that's like the gift of having a religious at a school for a long amount of time, is there might be some coming and going, but there, the, the spirit and the almost the, the intangible part of the school is kind of kept intact uh, in many ways by the, the presence of religious.
0: So, what has surprised you about working alongside sisters in your apostolates?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the things that has stuck out to me is there's both like a commonality and a distinctiveness to the sisters that I've had a chance to work with. And so, for example, Sister Mary Sarah uh, was just an amazingly gifted administrator. She had a really gifted teacher, a super kind of calm person, at least whenever I interacted um, and so there's, like, this profound peacefulness, you know, and then there's been other sisters that I've had the chance to work with who are, you know, m- much more uh, energetic and a little bit off the walls almost. And and so there's just a wide variety, but in all the different situations, this profound consecration to Jesus and love of the Lord. Um, and so... I feel like sometimes, like when you hear people that had sisters fifty or sixty years ago, they're sometimes like almost like caricatures, and I've just never encountered a caricature of a sister. I've always encountered these profoundly unique women who are consecrated uh, to the Lord and love Jesus in a, in unique ways, but they're never just like caricatures.
2: I would say the thing that has surprised me was how much I have learned from them in different places, and how much they have um, offered me personally. It's a surprise, I think, the ways that the unity of both being consecrated to the Lord, that uh, there's an influence and a, uh, a way that they have the ability to kind of minister to me in my different roles, you know, Father Paul mentioned Sister Mary Sarah. Uh, for me, it was Sister Mary Patrick that in my very first year of teaching that she was, uh yeah, she was my boss and she was a spiritual mother of she has continued to pray for me. And I really believe like spiritually mothered my vocation into existence when there were moments where I was like, that's it, I'm not called to this. I'm failing at teaching. And she's like, no, no, no. And just kind of prayed for me Um, maybe when I couldn't. And um, I think, too, of learning how to be present to people, learning how to slow down, learning how to love. Uh, I remember being with the Carmelite Sisters and their attentiveness that they always had with the dying of they really saw their apostolate there as, I, we are here to prepare them for the next life. And I remember they you know asked us to be alongside a, an elderly man as he passed away, and we were able to... and. And the sisters were there, and and we were right there, along next to him. And for them, that importance of maintaining faith and prayerfulness, um, and providing that gift of presence, even if it wasn't physically felt by that person that might be in a coma, they we're not really sure. But that almost their steadfast faith um, in the midst of that. there was just such an example of, wow, they 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 have this. They they live this. This is what they do day in and day out, and I get to kind of join alongside it.
0: The last question that I have is, are there any stories or particular memories that you guys have of working alongside sisters that are especially meaningful or joyful for you guys?
2: Two that I have, um, one was working alongside the missionaries at Charity in India. Uh, The missionaries Charity obviously have a number of homes all across the city working with the poorest of the poor. And we were uh, kind of broken up in India. um, We worked at Prim Dom, which was like a place for the dying, um, for elderly men that were dying. And so um, the sense of like working alongside them, as well as there was a sister at the mother house that kind of oversaw and her main apostle was like, being attentive to all the volunteers you have volunteers coming in from all over the world and you have all sorts of different backgrounds some that were buddhist some that were atheists and some that were you know catholic like us and they're all working together and this one sister is a sign like just be there for them and so uh because we were we're a group of eight of us uh there were i think four religious four from the servants and then four friends of ours being in a totally different environment, we ended up getting sick at different points. And there was kind of this illness that went around of fever and throwing up and stomach. And it was one of those things where there wasn't really a doctor to go to. But it was literally like we went to the sister, uh, Sister Mercy, if I'm not mistaken, and basically said, like, so-and-so is sick. And she's like, okay, go to this person and get a blood test and then bring me the results and I will read them and, like, I know how this is, and I'm American, and I grew up in El Paso. And and then I'd come back with the results, and she'd be like, okay, well, it's not malaria, and it's not typhoid, and it's not this. And it's kind of scary of this sense that she's just, like, <laughs> flippantly throwing around these various diseases that sound incredibly intimidating. But at the same time, her sense of just care and concern, of especially being in another country where you don't really know what you're up against, you don't really know the systems of things, her presence in the midst of that of just being attentive and watching her do that, not just with us, but really everybody of her, just like the radical availability that she had to all of the volunteers. It was something to behold and um, that really stood out to me. Another was um working with the Carmelite Sisters in Los Angeles that we were working with the elderly and with the dying there. And... It, it was just funny in the sense of coming in from working at a high school where there's kind of this like, okay, I've got to be really entertaining and I've got to um, make this presentable. You have to kind of like win your audience and them asking us to do different things, you know, have a men's group with some of the guys or lead a time of song and praise with, uh, you know, them together. And Me and and the other guy that I was with, like, we were being very concerned of, like, is this good enough? Like, are they going to like this? And it wasn't about that. The sisters were just kind of throwing us into stuff of, like, this is not about your performance. This is not about whether it's good. It's about them just enjoying you and having a good time because it's really that simple. It doesn't have to be this great production. And so for me, just that going back to just keeping it simple, I'm not. Being stressed about am I did I prepare this well enough did I do this right but just being focused on the people that are in front of me and you know and if they if it didn't go well they're not gonna remember it because they're they're elderly and it's not about that like and and I think that that um, that gift of being alongside them and watch the way that they um, took their their roles seriously and at the same time like didn't take what they did so seriously that it had to be perfect which was a gift.
1: One of the sisters that was in, uh, at the hospital in Africa was sister Consolato, which I think literally means like sister consolation. And she, she was the CEO of the hospital, but super maternal. And one of the things that stuck out to me about was just how much of a consolation she was to us and, and how attentive she was to our needs. And You know, so at one point, Brother Peter was feeling sick, and she basically, like, convinced one of the doctors that, like, he was deathly ill and, like, needed to be taken care of as soon as possible. And so, like, the doctor came over and gave him a bunch of uh, interventions and medicine and stuff. And he really wasn't, like, all that sick, but she got this extra care showered upon him. But one of the things, too, that stuck out to me was when sometimes when she needed us you know she she had the humility to you know ask and so one for example at one point during our time there uh one of the mothers of a newborn like literally like ran away like had had some mental health issues and like literally escaped the hospital and like had left her newborn behind and because of like the staffing levels and stuff. One day sister came to us and just like said, father, I need brother Peter to like go to the maternity ward. And uh, so I ended up sending brother Peter over there and he literally just like held this baby that had been abandoned for like, you know, an hour or two or something like that. And just so how we could be, you know, a blessing as well as uh, them being a consolation to us and, and so I would just say, you know, there, she was a, a consolation, but it also I think one of the challenges too is sisters get moved and we move and we go to do these missions and then have to come back. And so one of the sacrifices is like I miss Sister Consolata. I wish I could see her, but she's across the ocean. And many of the sisters that I've gotten to work with, you know, in the educational world, I also, you know, there's a sacrifice uh, in the sense that, all get reassigned at different times. And so, you know, just praying that, you know, the Lord blesses all those sisters that have been such a blessing to us.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, father Paul and father James for sharing your reflections today on your community and your work with sisters. As always, you can learn more about the servants of Christ Jesus and find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks at scjesus.org. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed.